He kōnai pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Welcome to Insight. I'm Philippa Tolley. This week, the Pacific nation fighting for its very existence. Tuvalu is a poster boy for small island countries suffering from climate change. Its Prime Minister has been vocal on the world stage, trying to drum home the message that rising seas and changing weather are an existential threat to its people. But despite that gloomy outlook, the low-lying group of atolls and islands north of Fiji is refusing to sit back and be swallowed by the waves. Tuvalu has big plans for its future, and its leaders are urging polluting nations to help. Sally Round travelled to Tuvalu to investigate. I'm out on the Funafuti Lagoon. Seems a world away from Fungafale, where most of Tuvalu's population lives. I'm heading towards one of the islets, or Motu, on the southeastern side of the atoll. Behind me, I can just see a narrow strip of land peeping above the water. That's the capital, home to 6,000 people, known as Funafuti. Tuvalu's 26 square kilometres of land is made up of atolls and reef islands and spread over 900,000 square kilometres of ocean. The country has a tiny population of just 11,500, with many more who live abroad, including 3,500 in New Zealand. In some places on the main island Funafuti, only a narrow strip of road separates the ocean from the lagoon, with no barrier to keep back storm surges and king tides. It may be small, but Tuvalu has a big reputation as a brave battler in the global fight against the effects of climate change. Tiana Molusia lives alone on the islet of Papa Elise, farming his pigs, fishing and trying to harvest what other food he can from the sickly coconut and breadfruit trees. Many more people used to live here, but the beach has been eroded and the soil quality is falling as salt water seeps in. Deformed storks are trying to take root just above the coral-strewn beach. I'm really unhappy because I can't earn any money from the land. It's too difficult to plant. Life is getting hard because the weather is changing. Mr. Lucia says he used to earn $300 for a boatload of goods from his farm, but the yellowing breadfruit tree doesn't produce. The coconuts fall early, unripe and bitter, and he can no longer harvest the traditional toddy, a sweetener from the sap of the coconut tree. I can't do any more loads like that because there's nothing. I used to be able to catch crabs, which I could sell for $20. People loved them, but I can't do that anymore. Mr. Lucia has to go further out into the lagoon to get fish. The pigs look healthy, though, and they've been let loose to root around as a way of improving the sandy, salt-laden ground. You step down a little bit, and the small tree here was under the, the sand. Back on Fongafale, Tianamo's cousin Tafiti Kisono is also struggling to grow food at his home just metres from the edge of the lagoon. High tide or low tide, it, it's always damaged. I used to plant cucumber, tomatoes and uh, cabbage on this side. And also I have some uh, green uh, materials that protect my garden from the heat. 
but it won't help. It's all die. Even though that I've been trying to do water, you know, every early in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. It, and it why, did, why did it die? It's from the hot, the, the heat. heat, the heat of the uh, air. The church pastor has started planting in raised beds, trying to somehow enrich the soil. As you can see on this side, I make up there. <laughs> so how's it doing up there? You've got you've got some lettuces yeah, planted, I've been some vegetables. Three times of harvest, yeah, cucumber and cabbage. It's doing well. Uh, not really. Yeah. As you can see, it's not like really green. I've been trying many different ideas from people, like collecting seaweed and other things, and dry up and then put under the water, just to make a, a black soil there for my garden. It does work, but it's not really... Flooding from king tides and storm surges has eaten away at the house's foundations and cracked the water tank. Well, I was thinking, like, putting a lot of things down here, like stones and uh, putting a seawall. Yeah, but, you know, it's all money and time. An outside sleeping platform built to catch the breeze teeters on the edge of the beach, not far from the high tide mark. Everybody don't want to stay in the house. Because we want to have fresh air. <laughs> too hot. <Yeah>, too hot. <laughs> really hot. It is really hard for me to sleep at night time. And we were dreaming to put an aircon in the house. But, you know, it costs money. Even though you have fan inside, but uh, you can feel the air from the fan is still hot. So that's in your lifetime you've noticed it's, the heat change? Yeah, really change. Before, when you were growing up, you could uh, sleep at night? Yeah. You didn't have to go outside to... Yeah, no, you don't have to go outside. You just sleep anywhere because it's nice, uh, cool in the night time. But now, no. Even though I built this one to sleep outside, you're still sweating. <laughs> Inside, the older women sing as a newborn naps. There are several mouths to feed, including relatives visiting from the outer islands. I think the future of Tuvalu here, my opinion, is uh, for lifestyle here is no good. We, we will call ourselves like survivor. Everything here is just for survival and not for future. Pastor Tafiti makes cash from renting out a washing machine and selling pancakes because his boat got smashed in an unexpected storm, so he can't go out fishing. He says climate change is affecting him and others on the island in other ways too. The population rise up and people are fighting in their lands now, especially here in the mainland here in Funafuti. Brothers and sisters and cousins are fighting in their lands. More populated here and small land to plant and small plants to plant. <laughs> Not enough option to do things that you can survive here. You don't want to go back to your home island? Uh, no. I have some small family there. Uh, if I go there, we will be packed on the land. Is that having the same problems? Yes, coastal they erosion? are having the same problems also. On my home island, Nanumanga Island, the place that we used to plant uh, Bulaka washed away the whole thing washed out by the uh, the strong wind two years ago or three years ago. And I don't think to go back. I'm facing now uh, to go to Fiji or migrate to some other places. Sixty percent of the people of Tuvalu are already here on this island. Why? 
because of security, insecurity on the Out Islands. Because we haven't been successful in providing protection uh, for them on the Out Islands. So we really need to do that. The Prime Minister Enele Supoanga is back home after a month away at meetings in Malta, Geneva and London. Much of the talk centred around climate change. For years, he's been outspoken, calling out big polluters and pushing his mantra that to save Tuvalu is to save the world. It is not a selfish call. I think it's a very practical call. It is a humanitarian call. It's basically reminding everybody that there is only one planet and only one planet. There is no two planets. If we allow these planets to be burned down, especially the resources, the people, the rights of the people, it will be a disgrace for humanity. Mr Sopoanga is happy. He's just had good news from the Green Climate Fund, the multi-billion dollar coffer set up to help countries like Tuvalu respond to climate change. It's a significant win for Tuvalu, which wants to make up for land that's been washed into the sea, not just hold back the waves by vulnerable sea walls. Tuvalu is now allowed to spend $53 million not on building sea walls as originally planned, but on land reclamation, which would see the town area pushed out into the lagoon by 100 metres for nearly a kilometre. The green light's also been given for reclamation on two other islands in the group. Out islands are already suffering from the loss of land, the loss of properties. Huge plantations of coconut trees have been eroded into the sea. Now, I thought when we started negotiation on the Green Climate Fund, this is going to be a survival fund. We started this a long time ago in Marrakesh. Can you believe it? COP7 in Marrakesh. That was in 2002. Now we finally got the fund and we've said this is going to be the survival fund. We are happy. This year has seen the highest rainfall in a decade between the dry and wet season, and it's thought to have contributed to an outbreak of the mosquito-borne dengue fever in Tuvalu. Two children have died since the end of March. Most of the people that have been sick are young children below the age of 10. Um, An advisor with the Ministry of Health, Claire Whelan, says they're still looking at why there's been a rise in the number of mosquitoes. It could be due to the increasing development on Fongafale, combined with a recent high rainfall. Just in terms of dengue, it's a known fact that uh, vectors love humidity and rain, and the more humidity you get, the more rain you get, the more mosquitoes that are going to breathe. So the more of these viruses that, you know, through the mosquito that we, we may get. What other health issues are being seen here? People have told me that they've noticed it's much hotter than it was before. The research shows that uh, heat stress is, is one of the um, big issues in relation to climate change. Mental health issues are also a big problem. Food security and safety, so we have a triple burden of malnutrition, diabetes and obesity as well. So if our food security is compromised, it means that we rely more on overseas foods. A lot of them are not very healthy. Obviously respiratory illnesses as well with with heat and heat stress. Tuvalu has limited wherewithal to analyse its basic data systems to make better health plans for climate change, but Claire Whelan says it's something they're working on. 
Looney Tinilao fears the consequences for his health of relying on expensive imported rice, snacks, tinned and frozen food from the shop. I cannot plant the, the properly, you know. I have not enough water for the garden, you know. You, you need water, you know. Here in Tuvalu, the only source of water is rainwater, yeah. So it's, it's a big worry to all of us. I think not only me, to all Tuvaluans. The retired seaman is collecting his order from the vegetable garden set up by the Taiwanese government, which trials new plants, distributes seedlings and sells produce. My daily life affected. I rely, you know, to cultivate the ground, plant something for my family, yeah? without referring to the, the store for imported stuff, you know, because we don't have that much money. And the prices of things is too high, and sometimes we cannot afford, you know. Luni Tunilao says the lack of nourishing food is affecting his health. Sometimes, I, I, you know, I feel abnormal in my body sometimes, yeah? And I was admitted in the hospital uh, two years ago. There's some one thing in the blood. And also my eye, I cannot see properly. And they said this is a lack of a vitamin, vitamin C, I don't know what they explain. Eh? The local staple pulaka, or swamp taro, now must be grown in concrete-lined pits if it's to survive. And not everyone's lucky enough to have a breadfruit tree on Fongafale, where people live cheek by jowl. Pressure on fisheries is also adding to increasing food insecurity. In the shade, out of the scorching midday heat, pandanus leaves are being pounded in preparation for weaving mats. In our culture, the mat is very useful for us, like for wedding, for funeral, and, and also for decorating our house. It's a tradition women like Vika for Aleminga are trying to keep alive. She's learning the craft from 84-year-old Melita Haueua, who says the pandanus leaves are not so easy to get anymore. Before, you could go and harvest anywhere, but today it's very hard because you have to ask permission from people who own the land. Before, it was easy because it was everywhere. We usually go to the islands, to look for pandanus leaves. It's maybe because of the climate change and the overcrowding of people, so it's very affected. Nowadays we're using Chinese mats. I'm worried that weaving traditions may go and we may no longer use the Tuvaluan mats to sleep on. As the sun goes down, people come here to the airfield. It's the biggest piece of open space in land-deprived Funafuti. It's a little cooler now, so everybody's out walking, running, sitting on the runway, or just tossing a ball around. Forecasters at the local Met office have told me temperatures on Tuvalu have risen one degree over the last decade or so, even in their time working. Inundations occurring during 2.7-metre king tides, whereas before, the threat was at 3 metres. There are more frequent strong winds, too, which can be devastating when they coincide with the floods. On the newly reclaimed Queen Elizabeth Park, it's all hands on deck 
to get the flash new convention centre ready in time for the Pacific Islands Forum leaders gathering this month. Bungalows and flats are also being finished off to house the 600 visitors expected. Some on the island are questioning the spending when there are so many other needs. But the Prime Minister says it's important for Tuvalu's future. It is a statement to show to the leaders of the world and the Pacific we can save these islands if we work hard with leadership and in a collective manner. And then, of course, we need to put faith in our God so that no Tuvaluans will be forced to leave his or her home islands. That's the statement of that part. And that's why you can see we are a little bit expressive maybe, to overdressed, but why not? If you can build a casino in the middle of Auckland or Sydney Harbour Bridge or Opera House, why can't Tuvalu build a sole hallmark in Tuvalu? It is the right of Tuvalu to showcase what it can do and what the world can do to save Tuvalu in order to save the world as well. Ineli Supuanga says Tuvalu is not just waiting for handouts in its battle against the elements. Tuvalu is not you know, shouting, it's blowing its horn everywhere, but not doing anything. We have set up the Tuvalu Climate Change Survival Fund. I don't know of any nation that has set this up. And it is forced to uh, develop that fund by the effects of actions done by other countries. Now we've got the fund. And the idea of the fund is to help the people in the future. That fund is partly fed by money from Tuvalu's .tv internet domain name and money from foreign fishing licences. Tuvalu is also pressing for a new climate change insurance system for the Pacific, which is still in its early stages. Also an international legal framework to deal specifically with the rights of people displaced by climate change. We must also make sure... Those responsible for a greenhouse gas emissions in the atmosphere reduce the emissions to the level that is proposed uh, and, and advised by science. That's, that's the two-pronged ways that we need to follow. We cannot just be given money for adaptation now and again for political recognition at home in Tuvalu, Kiribati or whatever, while the rest keep on burning fossil fuels and digging out coal mining for economic interests and purposes. So this is the digester, and then this long tube goes into the the gas stove. Tuvalu so is doing its bit to reduce carbon right, emissions, so but its ambitious plan to become 100% reliant on renewable energy by 2020 has been pushed out to 2025. There are trials underway to use other energy like biogas from pig manure, to reduce reliance on expensive LPG and deal with a major source of pollution. You have to fill it up with uh, half of the animal manure and then half with water. And you have to put it in a mixture so that it can be diluted well and then you pour it in. Teuleala Manuela Morris has been studying the effectiveness of household biogas digesters which are this year being trialled in 40 homes around the country, a scheme funded by the European Union. Families collect waste from their pigs, then feed it into a tank just outside the house. It produces gas, which is piped inside to a stovetop for cooking, and a rich byproduct is left to use as fertiliser. 
it helps them to have the energy components through the, the digester and, and then the residue from the digester is using for their home gardens and that helps them to produce some food for their, for their household. So in that way, it's have uh, one stone and it's killing two birds. Eh? Mrs Morris says the biodigesters are improving resilience and more and more people want them. One of the success stories on, on Nanumanga, when we had Cyclone Pam in 2015, so the seven households that we worked with installing biogas, they were cooking after the night that, that the island was hit with the... And all the other households were all looking for dry firewood for cooking for their breakfast. But my household... They were cooking breakfast. So it sounds like Tuvalu is doing pretty well in terms of resilience. We tried, we tried, but then there's our environments. We don't have the capacity. But we are working there. Like my one of my other sites on Nukulaira. The waves actually came on both sides. And the lagoon side and then the ocean side. So they decided to build race housing. So now most of the, the community there is only 300 people plus. And they're trying that each household should have a race concrete housing. That mm. costs a lot of money. So that they're more resilient to the tides? So they, they try that because there's no way, other way that they're going to run to. And there's no high place except the coconut trees. Scientifically, they will say we have only 15 more years or less for the sea rise. Eh? It's not a very far time and yet we're striving to get ourselves uh, prepared and whatever comes when it's a drought, when it's a cyclone. Is it worth doing all this? Because some people would say, well, really, it's not viable. People should probably move. Yes, um, it can come to that. But then this is your home. Whatever you can, you can try to save whatever you have. Aloha, my name is Esther Samu. I'm from Nanumea, and I live here on uh, Funafuti Island in Tuvalu. Esther Samu is standing at the tip of the island Fongafale on a narrow strip of land which easily floods. Ocean swells beat against one side while the lagoon lazily laps the other. For her, flooding of the island was normal growing up. For us children, it's more like an uh, adventure. It's like part of the event. Oh, it's high tide, let's go for a swim. <laughs> like many young graduates in Tuvalu, Esther Samu is bonded to work in the public service after getting a scholarship to study abroad. She says despite all the activity on Tuvalu at the moment, migration is on the minds of many, not just because of climate change. I think if you're strong and healthy enough to uh, pack your bag to move, I think you'll be, you make a good decision to start at an early stage to move uh, and settle somewhere. And is that what people want to do? Are you hearing that among your friends? Yes, we, uh, yes, 
I, I heard a lot of people, they want to move out for a better life, better jobs in uh, Australia and New Zealand. And we can't stop people from making choices and thinking for their families, better ways to support their families. The old people are starting to understand that sooner or later they'll be dying, but the children needs to be somewhere safer and a better education for themselves. The Prime Minister, Enele Sopoanga, wants to ensure Tuvaluans have a choice in their future. I have set up what I call the TASTI, the Tuvalu Atoll Science and Technology Training Institute. This is the key to driving the economy of Tuvalu. And we are going to consider other ways of enhancing our capability to create opportunities so that Tuvalu would only be a base, but we take the world as our fishing grounds. Training, training of experts, of, of plumbers, engineers to go and work, go to Fiji, come to New Zealand and do work there for five, three years with their children, bring the money back to Tuvalu, open up opportunities. Education is key. The Ulu, or head chief of Funafuti, Silinga Kofe, says the government is doing the right thing. The local people, uh, if you ask them, they will, they will want to leave, some of them. Uh, but the official government policy here is uh, we going nowhere. It's the only country, I believe, that has come out and say we are staying put here. We are not moving because government wants to fight sea level rise. Uh, there are advantages, disadvantages, of, uh, but the sovereignty issue. Uh, Tuvaluans are evacuated like refugees. We'll begin to lose ourselves there. The language will be different. Eventually, we'll forget Tuvalu. The traditional assembly of elders, or Fale Kapule, has its own ambitious plan to ensure Tuvalu's future, building up what they're calling a sanctuary, an island 10 metres high in the south of the Funafuti Lagoon. It would triple Funafuti's land area. This will be... uh the same size as the biggest island in Tuvalu, Waitupu. These here are the direction of the the current inside the lagoon. It comes from there and tend to silt up this. So it's it's already filling up naturally anyway? Yeah, it's already filled up. So this would be more of an industrial area? Well, we have a runway. And then these little villages, this would be villages, the size of our current villages. We can put every, everybody here. Selinga Kofe says there's interest internationally in funding the $300 million project, which they hope to see built in five years. Teuleala Manuela Morris watched Tuvalu gain its independence and is among many Tuvaluans who feel they are part of a much grander plan. When we were asked by the British to say, what are you going to do with your country? There's nothing here. How are you going to build up your country? And we said, God has his own way for us. We survived here for many centuries, and I think we will survive. Tuvalu is building up where it can, but in the struggle to survive, it's clear it can't do it on its own. That program was written and presented by Sally Round, 
who travelled to Tuvalu on a Pacific Journalism Grant funded by the New Zealand Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade. If you'd like to podcast some more long-form journalism, you can head to our page at rnz.co.nz forward slash insight, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Philippa Tolley and that's all from Insight for today. Do join us again next time. Thank you.